0: So um, we got this little series going on (laughs) talking about dying not as morbid as people think because it sounds like, oh, man, they're talking about death. But, you know, I think that people at the end of the day, people need to have conversations about death because here's the thing, whether you want to talk about it or not,
1: it's happening. It's going it's going down. (laughs) So, you know, what you know, what you really need to have conversations about regarding death is people that died with regrets. Yeah, that's what you want to know about. that's why I like that book so much. The top five regrets of the dying, because it's not it's not like anything I read there was astonishing going, oh, wow, I never thought about that. You know, those are things that I honestly I think about those kind of regrets all the time, not that I have them, but but because I I don't want to have them right about how to live my life so I don't have regrets like that. And a lot of people don't do that. And then you, you get to a point where it's too late. You can't do anything about it. So, so you always want to be preemptive about that stuff. So it, it sounds morbid to talk about, but it's it's anything but morbid because being honest with these things will allow you to live way more fully now so that you don't have those regrets when you get older. Exactly. <clears throat>
0: I mean, I don't want to sit there and wait to that last minute. Man, I should have done this. I wish I could. I wish I could have. No, no, no. I when that time comes, I want to be like, huh, here it is. So be it. And I can chill. Well, you know,
1: when my mom passed away, the last conversation I had with her wasn't a great conversation. It wasn't a bad conversation. It wasn't an argument. But it was just something where I was watching a movie. And I was like, okay, mom, nice talking to you. Let me me call you back tomorrow. And there was no tomorrow because she passed that night. So I, so I, I definitely have a regret about that. But I don't have a regret when I look at the full context of our relationship because she and I had a really good relationship. Right, But it made me think, make sure that the people that you care about know that you do, Yeah, because you may not get a chance to do that. You know, don't wait till tomorrow or next week or next month. They're like, oh, you know, I don't have to tell Carol anything. She knows. It's like, yeah, she may know, but it's, it's still nice to hear. Exactly. Still all of us to hear. You know, we, we all, especially <clears throat> from our most significant other, like the, the person that we're closest with. Right. We, well, we want to feel appreciated by them and they want to feel appreciated by us. You know, that's just, and then I think a lot of couples, what happens is they they get way too comfortable where not, they don't feel anything needs to be said anymore. They so get now, into these
0: routines, you know, it's just like, yeah, right. uh, she knows. Right. <laughs> yeah. But she wants to hear.
1: <laughs> it's like, come on, man.
0: <clears throat> and you know, one of the things, um, in my opinion, at least, you know, you say, you know, you'll talk to your mom tomorrow, but you did talk to her that night before. Am I correct?
1: Um, Raina what are you looking at me for <laughs> Raina's like ask him I had I had, uh, I had a really good dream with my mother what I felt like I was talking to her and that was that was awesome you know that actually you know, yeah like, you
0: told me about that, that was cool. I could
1: be a total figment, figment of my imagination
0: or <laughs> yeah. or it couldn't be, it yeah. could be my, my
1: mom and I had really good conversations <clears throat> throughout my life and I made a point of you know telling her how much I appreciate her and all that the right. thing is that's interesting is that it was hard for her to receive praise right she was really good at being there for everyone else, right? She was the best friend to this person. She always went out of her way to help people out, but it was hard for her to let people do that for her. Yeah. So she would, she would get uncomfortable with intimacy. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I've realized in the, the environment I grew up in, I, I inherited that more because of the environment, not from literally hered- like in- inheriting it. <clears throat> but th- those are things I've worked through though, because I realized how, how much it takes away from life when you don't have that, when you don't, I mean, you, you should be able to have these really intimate, intense conversations with people that you're close to. Now that's important.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you said that um, uh, my wife and I were just talking about that. We were just talking about like how uh, we were watching um, this is us, which basically is the blueprint for how parents can fuck up their kids. <laughs> okay. So, you know, and how, and at the same time also help your kids out. So it's so many things that, Children, so much trauma they carry with them that sometimes doesn't appear as trauma. It just means like, oh, you know, it appears that, you know, in the parents' eye, they're doing the best that they can. But what they're actually doing is they're carrying on this tradition. They're passing on this tradition that needs to stop the same trauma, the same lack of intimacy, this lack of communication, because that's the way our family is, quote unquote. And, you know, it's just somebody needs to finally just step up <clears throat> and bring an end to it into it. That's just one of the things in the family that needs to die. And, you know, so we just sitting there thinking about that, how, you know, just like you're saying, um, like intimacy was like an, you know, an, an issue, like with your family, people right. just didn't talk, whatever. And yeah. <clears throat> I don't know, man, just, um, so like just a few days ago, uh, my kid's grandmother passed away, you know, due to complications from COVID, but mostly due to a pre-existing you know, um, brain injury that happened from a fall. And, you know, I was sitting there, you know, my wife and I was talking just, I was just talking about like the relationship I had with my ex mother-in-law. We had a great relationship, you know, leave it up to her. She would not, she wouldn't have been my ex (laughs) mother-in-law, but you know, and then what I really liked was the fact that she and my mom had a great relationship, which is ironic is the fact that I was talking to my mom a few days before. And just out of the blue, she asked about my ex mother-in-law. It's like, how is she? Because at this point. No, she was born and raised in mexico so she never really was comfortable living over here she really wanted to go back home her main goal was to like especially once she had raised my ex-wife as an adult or whatever once that happened she's like okay you're here you have a good life i want to go back home because that's what she felt comfortable she wanted to be back to mexico that's where all her family was the only family she really had here was my ex-wife of course my kids and <clears throat> i think like one other relative or whatever one of the knees, but other than that, the rest of the family was there. That's what she knew. That's what made her feel comfortable. That's what made her at peace. And so she eventually, she, you know, she lived up to that dream and she got back home and she started living her life the way she wanted to. And I think that's the reason why I think her passing, it was kind of mixed. She didn't necessarily live the healthiest life. You know, this is someone that pretty much never drank water in her life, but over 70 something years of pretty much just living off Coke, you know, and cigarettes but at the same time, it's one of those things where when your body's been used to that for so many decades, you're almost afraid to have them change their lifestyle up <laughs> at that point. It's like, it's like, ugh, it might, their bodies might go into shock at this point. So, it's like, you give them some water, like your body's like, hey, wait, this Coke is, something's wrong with this Coke. First of all, it's not brown. It's clear. This is danger, danger. We're in trouble. So, so, you know, but anyway, you know, so I'm just looking, okay, she really right toward the end. She got to do all the things she wanted to do in life. But one of the things I was looking at is just like looking at like how her life was and the way she approached relationships and how I saw that being carried over into her daughter's approach to relationships. Right. <clears throat> and the thing is, when you see this, because that's the blueprint that you grew up around, you don't necessarily see that this is right or wrong. It just is. Or you don't even see it at all. It seeps into your life and you don't even recognize that that's where it's coming from. It's not even you whose life you're living out this blueprint is something that just is it's pretty much absorbed itself into your unconsciousness and they start to manifest and you start repeating the same actions that you know the adults in your life who raised you were living not necessarily saying it's good or bad it just is what it is and hopefully at some point you're able to be in such in the moment to where you can see that hey okay, this is not even who I am. I'm actually living out somebody else's life here. And you can make a correction if it's not serving you, okay? And so it made me look at people in my family, even with the things they've they've dealt with, whether it's relationship issues or whether it's addiction. And, you know, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on when we talk about, you know, I want to kind of just reflect on the passing of the rapper um, DMX who really had his battles with addiction. And a lot of things that happened in his childhood and the trauma that he dealt with and how that pretty much set the tone for the rest of his life, even to the day he died from so many things. And he, but he, he did his best to fight that trauma. He was trying to fight those demons, man, as much as possible. Sometimes they that, that cut can run so freaking deep, man. And some people just, they're going to lose that battle. But I always have to commend the ones that try to fight it and do their best and not just be the ones like, ah. Oh, it's just the way it is. That's how we are. And, you know, and even when they know that it's not, when they know that it's detrimental to their lives and it's not serving them, they just accept it. And those are people are kind of like, come on, man. Okay, the fact that you can acknowledge that this is what it is and you're still not trying to do anything about it. Don't, you can't just sit there and and gloss over that. Okay, and it's not gonna give an excuse for the type of behavior that you're, you know, you're exuding because of that. You know, oh, it's just who I am. Is it? is it really who you are or is it who you choose to want to be because you don't want to do any better because you don't want to deal with the responsibility of having to set a new paradigm from other than what you were
1: used to. Yeah. That's always a very treacherous path right there. This is just who I am. When someone says that it's always a cop out because, I mean, Carol made a good point the other day. She goes, you know, she said that one of the cliches that people always say is you know, people don't change. And she goes, that's not really true. People change all the time, not necessarily for the better. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So look, if you can change for the worse, that also means you can change for the better. But right. it's going to take efforts. effort. You don't have to just, whatever you don't like about yourself, you don't have to accept that. Right. right. You can do something about it. I didn't like being skinny and weak as a kid. I hated being this frail kid and all that. So I started getting into working out. And now everyone associates me with being strong. Like, like I've always looked like this now my entire life. Right. So, <clears throat> I didn't like being broke and having no money and wondering how I'm going to pay the bills and then saying, well, I'm just going to have to accept this. It's like, no, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to figure this shit out. I'm going to, this is a chess game. You know, life is a chess game. It's not checkers. It's a chess game. And you got to figure out what player are you going to be on the board? Are you a fucking pawn? or Are you Bobby
0: fucking Fisher?
1: (laughs) Yeah, are you a goddamn king or queen? You know, I play this game like a king. I don't play it like a pawn. I'm I'm nobody's fucking pawn. Yeah. That's the way you have to look at. I mean, and not just business. I'm talking about just living your life. Everything. You know, is in. That means you're in control. You have power. You can change things. Yep. So what, what's more important to change than yourself? And if there's things you don't like about yourself, you can change those things. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's always funny how,
0: you look at those old episodes of like nip-tuck and the first thing they start off with, what is it that you don't like about yourself? (laughs) So I was like, and then of course me being all Mr. Philosopher, you know, I was just like, man, I don't think people truly grasp the depth of that question when they watch the show every week. You know, it's just like, because at the end of the day, these people say all these things they didn't like about themselves and then they think they could alter it just with surgery or whatever else. But it had nothing to do with it, any of that, because at the end of the day, are you getting brain surgery? Because that's the thing. You, you've totally ignored the question. You know, you're you're f- focusing on those physical things like what do you don't like about yourself? Oh, my nose is through this. My nose is to that. Oh, I wish my butt could be this, blah, blah, blah. No, you're not answering the question. What is it about you that you feel like you're not worthy being who you are right now? What makes this? so bad you know and who said this was bad in the first place who told you that this was not acceptable that's what you need to start working on of course they're not gonna say that because they're plastic surgeons they got to make money so they're gonna sit there and go with those depth of questions or whatever but yeah man so getting back to the whole you know you yeah, gotta digress getting back to you know just really looking at that blueprint that we're raised around you know and just i don't know man every time it seems like you know the grim reaper gets a little bit closer because that's the beautiful thing about getting older. You start seeing that motherfucker a little more often and a little closer to you than he needs to be like, Hey man, Hey, Hey, Hey. Get your ass off my lawn, bro. You
1: (laughs) trespass. You know, he's like, oh, no. I just like, you know, I know you knew so and so. You know, I just want to remind you, live your life, motherfucker. Uh, There's there's a Sufi story about this guy hears that, like, hey, man, death's coming for you this Wednesday. And the guy's like, well, shit, let me get out of town. So he (laughs) he gets on his horse and rides to the furthest town he can get to. And once he gets there, death is waiting there for him. And he goes, I thought you were coming to get me on Wednesday. He's like, no, I just put the word out. (laughs) I wanted you to take off and come to me, so I don't have to waste my time. It's like I knew this is where you would head. To. Like, hey, I'm deaf. You know, I know exactly what you're going to do. this is
0: what I do, bro. Come on. <laughs> oh man, He's like, come on, "The NSA ain't got shit on me." Okay. But yeah, man. So, but yeah, every time one of these situations happen, man, and it gets a little bit closer. Put it like this: in one week, I had three different passings that would that were a little bit personal. And it just kind of made me like, hmm, okay, stay on this path that you're going, bro. You can do it fine. You know, like I said, the passing of my, my ex-mother-in-law, then the passing of, uh, of we I can say we were friends, but definitely associate from my past, like from the music industry days. But even after I left that industry, we still kept in contact. You know, there were times where, you know, she would reach out to me, especially with health and fitness stuff and tips like that. And, and I just happened to see one day another friend, a mutual friend, had posted, of course, that the one thing I just really don't want people to have to deal with when it comes to either their own passing or a family member's passing. I saw a friend, a mutual friend of ours posting about, you know, go to her, go fund me because they didn't, she didn't have the money to take care of the funeral and the family didn't have the money for the funeral. And I'm just like, okay, wait a minute. First of all, what what happened you know i'm like i just saw i i mean i had been on i had not been on facebook and god knows when that's usually how you know she and i would contact each other but then oh okay what happened to her and come to find out you know she was dealing with breast cancer you know for like like i think it was stage four at this point and i think it came around she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer around i want to say probably in the fall let's just say september october and so she had been fighting 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 and of course you know they gave her a lot less time but here we are she made it all the way up until like april you know so she already gone past what they given the time for and uh um, and just to see that it was like wow I, I didn't even know she was sick you know and and to see that she fought that long you know that was commendable you know, especially when they didn't give her that much time. So there was that, like, maybe a day or two after my ex-mother-in-law passed. And then, to top it off, you know, finish off the week, you had to pass the DMX. Now, for those that know, you know, DMX was a rapper, and entertainer. You know, he was on Def Jam. People see him in movies like, you know, Romeo Must Die and, and right. um, <clears throat> uh, Exit Wounds, um, Belly, which is like a urban, underground cult movie classic with Nas and whatever. um, Or if anybody's ever been in a gym that has any substance whatsoever, there's no way you probably not worked out to a DMX song. Okay. (laughs) You know, whether it be like party up or, you know, any of those songs, man, it's like, how can you not have worked out to a DMX song?
1: You know what I like about DMX is that he's so hard.
0: Raw. Yeah. So raw and, and just so
1: in I mean, your face. Yeah, his voice, you could have had a, a rock band in the background. and a, what's, <laughs> what's, what's, my what's my name? What's yeah. <laughs> I mean, he he's the, the, the heavy metal of rapping. Just like Chuck D is. Chuck D has that real powerful voice. But DMX, I mean, his songs are so hard. Dude, I mean, it's so gritty and so grimy.
0: And, you know, it's so funny. I was actually watching um, a video the other day from Russell Simmons uh, because, you know, at the time, they assigned him, you know, Russell was still involved with Def Jam when they signed DMX. And Russell was just kind of, he was basically saying how DMX saved Def Jam at that time. But he said he regrets the fact that Def Jam couldn't save DMX. He said, yeah, I know that it wasn't their responsibility, per se, to save him. But at the same time, there's a lot more they could have done for him. And they just talking about how, how he, pretty much like DMX spent his life basically giving. Even though, and, and he never asked for anything. He, even though you would think he would be in a position where he had nothing to give because he had his own struggles with addiction. And, and but time that he was of sound mind, he spent that time giving everything. This is someone who sold over 70 million albums. Okay, 70 million albums since 1998. And on top of that, just somebody that was like worth over 2.25 million, 2.5 million, maybe even more than that. Filed bankruptcy, I think, at least two or three times. But anytime he had money, he gave it away to people who really needed it. He didn't want anything. He didn't want a damn thing. He, if you ever really look at DMX, he was not your typical rapper. He was not the one that was all flashy with the cars and whatever else. This dude was always giving, giving, giving. He would fight. He was always giving his money to homeless people. He's always going out trying to talk to you know youth, gang members, or or kids who are getting addicted and trying to tell them, no, look at me. This is why you don't do it. And he was one of those people that could actually get through to them compared to just the normal everyday person that's trying to go out and just be a philanthropist and just say no, blah, blah, blah. No, here's somebody they can look up to and they listen to all the time. And like he shared the struggle with them. And so he, he that was his way of fighting those demons and not letting them win by using his life as a testimony. He knew that, hey, man, I'm going to fight this fight and I might lose it. But one thing about it, I'm going to do my best to win it for someone else. And if if I can help one person not go down this road, then I fucking won, no matter how I end up, you know. So this is the person that a lot of people don't see. And, of course, when, you know, he got hospitalized, you know, he had a heart attack. First things first, you know, of course, the media is going to start focusing on his past addictions. Okay, and I'm not going to lie. I, I don't know. It was just something about that. I was like, nah, I'm going to do my part to say, fuck that. And I made sure that anyone that was following me, you were going to see a different side of him. You were going to see the human side of him and not the shit that's going to sell newspapers or or sit there and get some some fucking TV time on the news or whatever else and get some viewership. Let's talk about the real stuff.
1: Everything was always, always about his struggles rather than what he did to help other His others. accomplishments, exactly. Of his struggles. And that's right. a really more interesting story, in my opinion. Exactly.
0: So, you know, so... So I I want to point out, one of the first things I posted was a video of him and his daughter. I think they were at um, Disneyland. And I forgot, I think the ride, it might be called the Shredder or something like that. His little girl was like so afraid. It was just him and her. And and basically, when this ride is going, he's not even focused on the fact that this thing is shooting up into the air. He is so focused on his daughter. He's holding her hand. He's talking. He's like, you're strong. Don't worry. Daddy's got you. Daddy's got you. I'm going to always have you. I got you. You know, she's just crying or whatever. He's like, no, 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 you're the bravest person I know, you know? And as they're going up and then by the time it goes up to the top, she doesn't realize it, you know, she's crying. And then, you know, he's sitting there right there with her. And then as he's getting ready to send down, he's like, look, it's over. You made it. He's like, I told you, you're the bravest person I know. Let me tell you, dude, as a father to a daughter, that is like one of the most powerful things you can do for a daughter. Like, don't get me wrong. You know. It, I have sons too. I have sons too. Yeah, sons need to hear that too. But it's also almost expected. But I'm not sitting there saying that, you know, there's one's better than the other, but it's just something about daughters getting that A-OK from their fathers and the father's present. And, you know, sitting there and building that confidence for them and showing them like, hey, you can do this. You got this. Because they're in a world where there are a lot of male figures that are saying they can't do shit. They'll never be able to do this. They'll never be able to do that. Oh, you're less than this. You're less than that. Yeah. Let's just, let's be honest. Biologically, there are certain things where we differ and one, it might be better than the other, but when it comes to certain things, and especially when it comes to confidence and going out and achieving the goals or whatever else, you know, look, man, you know, there's something about this. What people need to understand. One of the first people, the first men, the first hero that a girl falls in love with is her father. So that's why it's so important to be there for them and to be be present in their lives. And so, and at the same time, this man was doing everything. I think Tmx had like, shit, man, it's a typical rapper story. Of course. I think he had like 15 kids, nine different women, you know, but he did the best he could, you know, because he didn't have the best blueprint to live off of because he grew up in a very abusive home where his parents broke up and then his mom had different boyfriends in and out of the house and they were all abusive. The boyfriends, the mom, everybody would abuse him. He would beat him and abuse him in other ways until he moved, until he left. And he was basically sleeping in like Salvation Army bins at 14 years old at this point because he just had to leave that environment of abuse. He'd much rather be out on the street and try to figure it out on his own. And it was right around that time where he came across this dude who pretty much was like a mentor to him. And that was the one that encouraged him to really start rap, you know, pursue his you know, career in rap and get in the music business. And, but at the same time, this is also the person that encouraged him to take this, the one downfall that would pretty much be what would bring him to his demise. So the same mentor was pretty much introduced him to marijuana. He said, hey, you know, take this, you know, um, DMX, like, Pretty much had really, really bad asthma. And he was very hyperactive at the same time. And so this dude was like, here, you know, this will help you relax or whatever. But on top of that, what DMX didn't know was like this dude had laced the marijuana with crack cocaine. And so basically, it was from that point on, man, that it just messed him up. And he got addicted to crack. And he ended up struggling with that and the other drugs throughout his life, from 14 all the way up to 50. Okay. So just imagine a struggle, but he's in and out of rehab, in and out of jail, but he always was trying his best to get that monkey off his back. But at the same time, he was also trying to he made a point to use that struggle as a way to help others not go through that struggle and use his life again as a testimony of what not to do. How you can have it all and have nothing at the same time. And so Again, there's the humanitarian side of him. This dude always gave. This dude would pray no matter what, whether you, no matter what you believe in or don't believe in. This was a dude that would always pray. You, there's a lot of clips you always see him. If you go back and look at, um, um, I think uh, this this underground another hip hop underground classic called Pastor Mike. It was basically a tour covering Def Jam's all the artists from Jay Z, Dmx, all these guys during like the late '90s. It was like a tour movie documentary. You know, so you'll see DMX. This dude would pray for anybody. I mean, when you listen to this dude pray, you swear this dude was a preacher. You swear that he was ordained. He could probably preach better than the most, the best ordained ministers out there. Because the thing is, it was coming from his soul. He meant everything about it. He wanted you to be well. He wanted you to be blessed. He wanted he wanted all good things to come for you. You could see that. You could hear that in his voice. And basically, like I said, this guy. All, that's all he ever wanted for other people. He never wanted any harm to come to anyone else. And if he could do anything to make anyone else's life any better, he, went, he would do that. He would do that. One of the, um, There was um, an R&B artist, Aaliyah, from the late 90s, mid-90s, late 90s, and she ended up um, dying in a plane crash in the early 2000s. She was engaged to Dame Dash, who was um, one of the co-founders of Rockefeller Records with um, Jay-Z. But um, she, um, she and Jay Z, like I said, I mean not Jay Z, but her and um, DMX were really tight. They were in the movie Romeo Must Die. They had a really close relationship. She was like a little sister to him. And if you ever look at the, if you look up the video "Missing You" by Leah, which was like the last video that came out after her death posthumously. And basically, you see everyone's in that video from DMX to Jay Z. It's basically a, like a memorial to her. The opening credits basically. He's just kind of giving a memorial to her. And you can see how much that affected him. So there was this human side of DMX that people just really didn't focus on, especially in the, in the mainstream media. And like I said, I just really want to do my part to showcase. And there are a lot of people that, that showcase that part of him. At the end of the day, no matter what, man, this is, what I, this is the takeaway right here. Everybody's got their shit. Everybody's got some type of struggle. Everybody's dealing with something we need to think about that before we try to just call people out and try to put them down to make ourselves feel better and judge okay. them because right you're not fucking perfect either. You got some shit that you don't want to talk about. There's some shit you're not dealing with. In fact, the fact I know you got some shit you don't want to deal with is when you're trying to judge somebody else, you're trying to avoid the shit that's going on in your life. So my thing is, instead of trying to look at all the negative shit that's going on with somebody, look at like, okay, what did this person bring? How many of you out there, if you have listened to a DMX song and you are, you, you bang some fucking weights, to a DMX song, I mean, whether it's fucking Party Up, you know, or, you know, Who We Be, any of those songs, man, the Rough Riders Anthem, any of those songs, when you're like, stop, drop, put them down, shut them up, open up shop, whoa, that's a Rough Rider. you can't tell me that shit did not get you crunk it helped you hit some PRs, you know, you owe that to DMX, okay, he got you crunk. he helped you push through some shit with that, you know, it's like, there's there's probably a part in your life, especially if you're in this underground culture of training, you know, or if you're someone that is a fan of hip hop, he's touched you in some way, somehow. And so my thing, instead of focusing on the negative, like, Hey man, what did this man's existence in that industry bring to my lifestyle? You know, and how can you appreciate that? And if you're not, it's just like, man, look at all the things that, that he did do and the people that he did touch. And how can you, how can you learn from his example? If anything, even if you've never listened to a DMX song in your life, you know, you got to ask yourself like, dude, what the fuck am I doing in my life? Look what this, despite his struggles, he never used his past, his struggles and the negative things in his life against anyone else. In fact, he used it as a positive thing. And Mike and I, we talk about that all the time. No matter what we've gone through in our lives or whatever, we're not going to sit there and and use that against other people. In fact, it's going to make us do just the opposite. Do just the opposite. I'm not going to let my trauma be an excuse for me to treat people like shit you know and this is what this man did he let his trauma be his testimony and not be an excuse to be an asshole to people and so if anything like i said you don't even know who this guy is at least you know dig into that look at these stories look at what he's gone through look at the people that he's touched and then you ask yourself like hey man what am i doing today that can really help someone else out and make their day a lot better and think about that and so Therefore, you're not asking yourself when you're on your dying bed and it's like, hey, man, what could you have done to make someone else's life a lot better while you were alive? So I don't know. That's not I don't know if that's necessarily covered in that book, but I feel like that's a good chapter. Who did you touch in a positive way? Despite all other things that were going on, Who, how did you use your life as a testimony to help enhance the lives of others? Right. And ask yourself that and see what can you do? It doesn't have to be something monetary. Hey, man, I know everybody's struggling. I know people going through stuff. I know people just trying to make ends meet. But at the same time, are you going to use that excuse to treat people like shit? Or can you be like, hey, man, I empathize with you. I know what you're going through. I am going through I'm going through some stuff myself. You know, hey, let's get through this together, because that's how society, that's how humanity has survived throughout all the millennia. It's like, that's what they did. At the end of the day, that's how they came together and became a community and lifted each other up because that's how they got through the struggle. Even when there's a tragedy in that community, in that village, in that country, in that city, whatever else, they came together because they understood one person can't do it alone. just like in your body one cell can't keep your ass alive man it takes a whole group of cells cooperating with each other to make your body function every day despite whatever negativity that you might be ingesting on a daily basis those cells are all working together to fight whatever is in the environment that's negative to keep you going keep you striving no matter what they fight they fight they fight each and every day until they can't anymore you know so My thing is we're all cells, everybody, all 7 billion of us are cells in this one big body of of humanity and of living things on this earth. So you got to ask yourself as a cell in this body, that we call humanity and living things, you know, what can you do to help the other cells that are around you make this body of humanity and living and all living things function a lot better? might sound esoteric and woo woo or whatever. I don't care, you know, but let's just really put that in perspective and think about that. You know, that's one thing about it. And let's not wait till someone else dies to make us have to sit there and reflect on things like this. Because each and every time someone dies and we start reflecting on that, just know that each and every time you're one step closer to dying yourself. And you're gonna get to the point where you're not gonna have time to reflect. Okay, so.
1: Nothing is gonna make you feel better more than helping other people out or helping other beings out, helping animals out, helping anyone out. I mean, nothing's gonna make you feel better than that. So if you're in a situation where you're going through something, I'm not saying that you should block it out and not think about it. You have to be as introspective as you need to be, but dwelling is another thing. And you can right. take that dwelling energy and put it towards something more constructive, and I guarantee you it's going to help even if it has nothing to do with what you're going through. Just helping someone else out with whatever they're going through, that's definitely it's going to make you feel better. It's definitely not going to make you feel worse. Right.
0: Now, unless you just constantly try to help somebody out that just they know that you're helping and they, they, they keep coming to you and they just kind of wear out their welcome. And they're not trying to do anything to get better. They just know well, like, oh, that. now that's one thing.
1: So, our, our but don't let that matter. deter you.
0: Just be very, hey, look, man, there are people out there that are going to appreciate anything. That you, even if someone just needs someone to talk to, even if someone just needs to hear what we're talking about today and you're like, you know what? I know somebody's going through some stuff. They need to hear this episode. And right. just sharing an episode, they're like, damn, man, that was right on time. I appreciate that. You know, somebody. I don't know those dudes. They don't know me, but it's almost like they were speaking directly to me. So that right there, sometimes when people going through stuff, just being present. You're not even saying a word to each other. They're not talking about it. They don't want to talk about it. They're just sitting there like, they just didn't want to be alone. And so therefore you're just sitting there. Hey man, they know you're there. So they do want to say something. They know someone's there to listen, but they don't. They also know there's someone there that's not there to judge. So again, presence, man, be in presence. Everyone at the end of the day wants to be seen. Sometimes people don't want to be heard, but they do definitely want to be, they they want to be seen. They want to be acknowledged. They want to know that, hey man, I exist. I am important as well. I, I fucking matter. That's all some people just need. Most people, if not all people, that's all they need to know that they matter. And so some people go about that in different ways to prove that they matter. This man, you know, this is how he found out how he mattered by going out and helping as many people as he could. To right. To to avoid the struggles that he was going through. So in his mind, he's probably thinking, you know, I can't really speak for him, but maybe he was thinking like, I'm going to show these people that they matter when other people showed me most of my life I didn't. But at the same time, little did he know that he was also finally proving the people in his past, they were wrong, that he mattered as well. And so... Just think, I, I'm just asking It would behoove you to think about the same thing and just ask yourself, okay, what am I actually contributing and giving to this world instead of necessarily what I'm taking away? There are a lot of withdrawals going on on a daily basis around us and to the point where we're pretty much emotionally, financially, to my morbidly, everything, we're bankrupt at this point in a lot of situations. We don't have to be. We, there's enough. We're, it's abundance. The things that we can give to make people feel better and make ourselves feel better, we have an overabundance of it. We're just, we just, you to reach to the point where we can stop being stingy with it and quit having that lack mentality. I'm going to just take care of myself. Yeah, well, I'm barely taking care of myself. You know, like I said, I've said this many times. I'm asking people to be more selfishly selfless. Okay? Think about that. Be selfishly selfless. Because again, getting back to what Mike just said, when you're looking out for other people and doing something to help someone else, you're also doing something for yourself. It's not just about them. You're you're, you're making yourself feel good. You know, so, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's better to do it that way than in the other negative aspects of making yourself feel good when you pretty much do it at the detriment, you know, of someone else. Okay, and someone else pays the cost for that. Nah, if you both are sitting there getting something good out of this, hey man, everybody's winning, and so that, that's my point. With that so one of the things, just kind of wrap things up with DMX. You know, it's funny because usually when a celebrity passes or something like that, you know, it, it's like, oh, that kind of sucks. You know, we've had some of our favorite celebrities pass in the past year. You know, like we saw, you know, that we talked about like Untouchables and how we're fans of Sean Connery. You know, yeah. in the in the past year, so that sucked. You know, so many people have passed. You know, I can't even just recount them right now. But the last time that a passing with celebrity felt this personal to me was actually September 13, 1996. And that was when Tupac died. Why? Because I was in that industry deep. This dude was a Gemini just like myself. You know, we we're both born in June, share a lot of those Gemini qualities, that creativeness, you know, that revolutionary. So that that forward thinking you know that person that kind of goes against the grain and you're all, often your genius is misunderstood as crazy <laughs> you know it's very dismissive like that um, you know you're very outspoken to sometimes it gets you in a lot of trouble you know there's a lot of things in his life that I, that I pretty much can relate to and we're about hell we're only a year about a year apart you know so it was kind of like okay and at the same time, minus the popular music that most people listen to with Tupac, you know, there's just, he was so multifaceted. And, but those things weren't showcased as much until after he died. Um, again, he's another person that was pretty much always looking out for the underdog. You know, he was raised, you know, by Black, by, by Black Panther in the in in Black Panther environment. And he was all about the community, taking care of his own and not looking for handouts. But to, you know, work and get your own. And then once you get your own and you see others out there who don't have their own yet, do your best to help them and help them get up get on their own, on their own two feet. But if you can do something for someone else, you you should damn near do that because everything you got is a blessing. And it's not for yours, it's not for you to keep and hoard for yourself. I don't care if it's financial or if it's knowledge, you know, wisdom, understanding, any of that. You share that because that's how you build up a community. That's how you help your fellow man. He was all about that. And that's the things that wasn't showcased about his life during his lifetime. You know, he's another one, kind of like DMX, who pretty much Tupac would go and hang out with the homeless. He would feed them. He'd give them money. He'd help them out. Find situations of where they could work for their money because they felt too proud they didn't want to have the handout. He could find situations for them to earn it. Okay? He's looking out for kids and so many different things like this. So like I said, uh, there was a lot I related to with him while he was here. And so yeah, that... But I also saw the path he was heading down. It was so his life was also a testimony for me, what path not to go down to in that industry that can really suck you in, and take, and just suck all the energy out of you. Because at the end of the day, when it comes to the entertainment industry, they really don't give a damn about you. You are just a product, no matter what in, what part of that industry you work in, whether you're the artist or whether you're working in, in in the corporate side of things. You know, I'm working in marketing and promotions, but they didn't care. They were all about exploiting, 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 and get as much out of everyone as they could without them having to do any of the work. And so it's real easy to get caught up in the glamour and the glitz, no matter what part of it that you're working in. So to see where he was heading, you know, when you're aware, you're like, oh, okay. You know, I don't know this dude do personally, but man, I really hope someone can like, I really hope that there's somebody around him that's aware and it's, like can just get through to him. Like, hey, this is not it. Cause all, we all could see that where it was going to end, where it was going just by the people that he was around. But <clears throat> the best you can do is like, you learn from other people's lives. And so, like I said, that was the last time something like that really hit me. A lot of people passed since then. It's like, okay, that sucks. You know, especially for their loved ones or whatever. This one got me. The reason why this one got me for all those things I just said about Tupac, but another reason why this whole DMX death got to me was this whole fighting of addiction. Because, all my life, that demon, that monster, that monkey of addiction has always been within the earshot of where I was. Right. I wasn't addicted. I wasn't addicted to drugs and couldn't fight or anything like that. But I've always had family members, people very, very close to me, friends, family—you know, blood, no blood—that all they had their addictions. You know, my wife's had her addictions just with food. You know, because of childhood trauma, it wasn't about not getting enough to eat or, Oh, I'm greedy It's dealing with trauma, family trauma. That's how right. she coped, you know? So that's always been an issue. So no matter where I've gone, I've had to deal with some type of addiction from someone that I really cared about. You know, like I said, I've had close, close, close family members who have dealt with the same drug addictions because of childhood trauma, because of things that happen with their coming up. Things happen with their parents. Things happen with their parents not being there. And i you know, fortunately, I was raised by my grandparents, pretty grounded. And, you know, they weren't perfect, but damn it, they were grounded. And I was in a position where I could observe a lot and I was afforded the space to observe things. And I wasn't just necessarily told, don't do that, don't do that. It's just like, hey, you know, before you think about hanging out with this person or that person, think about this family member and what they're going through, blah, blah. You got to ask yourself, is that what you want for yourself? And if so, why? So they always make sure they ask me the right questions so I can ask myself the right questions. And I just sit there and say, don't do that. Don't do that. You better not do that or I'll do this to you. Now that's not how you handle things because that's going to make the rebellion in us. And no matter who you are, you're going to want to go do that thing because who are you to tell me what to do? We're just rebellious by nature. So but when you have to take the time and you're, pretty much trained to always ask the right questions. You'd be amazed at the decisions that you make. And so, like I said, man, it was like, this was very personal again, for me to kind of see that because I've seen the struggle. I've seen the person that just want to be a good parent. They want to be a good brother. They want to be a good father. They want to be a good cousin. They want to be a good uncle. And they fought and fought and fought, but man, think about it. That's just a certain part of the brain when addiction kicks in and then, and that whole, that whole like pleasure zone, that momentary pleasure gets fired up. You want more of that. You want more of that because you you rather have that than deal with the pain. So um, I don't know if you have got a chance to watch that video I sent you um, from um, of that doctor that was speaking on Rich Roll's show. We were just talking about that. No, I
1: say, yeah. I'll definitely check it out.
0: Yeah. So that whole battle between norepinephrine and, you know, and adrenaline and, you know, and it's just that the, the, the brain is so complex, so complex, and it doesn't take much to trigger it, to trigger us to do things and get addicted to things and, and behave in a certain way to the point where we don't know how do we get here. And so sometimes, like I said, the best thing to do is just sit and observe be quiet, be still, look at what's going on around you, check out the things that are close to you and do it without judgment. Just see it for what it is and then go from there.
1: And so like I said, man, just sitting there witnessing. As as human beings, we're wired for addiction. So a lot of people who don't think they have addiction problems, they, they, they do have addiction problems. They're just socially acceptable ones or ones that are not obvious. I mean, something such as a drug addiction, it, it, especially when it reaches a certain tipping point, it becomes really apparent to other people around. It can be hidden for a long time, but there's always right. a tipping point. But there's a lot of there's a lot of addictions that people have, such as maybe people just keep doing stupid shit and screwing up their life. And they're like, why do I keep doing this dumb stuff?
0: Self-sabotage because they don't feel like they're worthy. They don't feel it's like they're worthy so of anything good.
1: What happened to you that goes, most of the time it goes back to your childhood. Something happened that's unresolved and that's why you're still fucking yourself up now. Yeah.
0: And you know, it's very important. I mean, Look, man, it's 2021, and therapy is not as taboo as it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, hell, three years ago. It's very acceptable. And just because you go to therapy does not mean that your diagnosis is being crazy. Crazy is very dismissive, by the way, not just saying that. Okay? But that being said, it's like, look, man, do not be afraid, especially if a lot of you who have, like, insurance that will cover it, don't be afraid to go to therapy. Even if you, everything is going well in your mind, Some, there's nothing still, there's nothing wrong with still going to therapy. Even if you're being successful, you have a great business, sometimes still seeing a professional can help you stay on the right track for success. and Here, not get
1: me too is, every, every therapist will tell you this, where they have a client come in who is oh, I don't know why I'm even here. I don't really have any problems. And then they just start talking. And then they're there for two hours just talking about all kinds of shit. Right. And that happened the first time I went to a therapist. I, I went there and I, I definitely had some things I wanted to talk about, but I didn't realize how much I wanted to talk about until I got in there. And then after, at the end of the session, she asked me, she goes, how long do you think you've been here? I was like, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes. She's like, yeah, you've been talking for you know over two hours. And I was like, damn, man, I had no idea. I got because I was actually concerned that I wouldn't be comfortable talking enough in there. I go, you know, I hope I don't hold back or maybe I don't have enough to talk about, but there, there, there was plenty to talk about. Now, what's funny is while I'm talking, she's sitting there taking notes. Right. And I'd, I'd love to see those notes because right. the notes are probably like, yeah, this guy's definitely bipolar. Yep, yeah, he's got this issue. Yep, yeah, you got yeah. that
0: issue. <laughs> so, yeah, man. So, and it's just different forms of, like I said, psychologists, psychiatrist. Like I was saying, even if you're pretty much you run a successful business, you know, it doesn't hurt to have a performance coach. I'm still a psychologist. Right. Still a psychologist. Right. They help you stay on point. I mean, look, man. Axe Capital would be shit without Wendy Rose on billions.
1: Okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on. You take, a, lot of, a lot of times people hold back things about themselves, even from really close people, even your wife or husband or someone really close to you, family, brother, sister, whatever it is, closest friend, a lot of times you think you have this really honest relationship and you, and you may to a certain extent, but there's a line that you don't go across for most people. Right. But when you go to a professional, this is a professional. This is not a friend of yours. You're not going to go hang out afterwards. You're not going to meet up for drinks on the weekend. There's right. no this judgment. A little- they don't- yeah, Yeah. exactly. And they're not going to sit there and just take your side because they're your friend right. or, or just try to downplay what you're saying they 're going to give you their honest assessment because they, they don 't care if you like them or not You know, they 're right. there to give you a professional assessment now that 's really valuable because most people don't have anything close to that in their real life no. you may have You may have people who you think are yeah, you know my like my father told me this was a really bad idea, this business you know he's just looking out for me I go. Or he just doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. (laughs)
0: Right. (laughs) He has no experience in what you're talking about. Or it's it's the fact that he's afraid to do that. So now he's projecting his shit on you.
1: You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's, I I think there's, there's the benefits of therapy. You don't realize it until you've had a few sessions, how beneficial it is. It's just one of those things. I mean, you have to find the right therapist too. I'm not saying every experience is going to be great. I found her, actually, Carol found a really good therapist for me. This lady, doctor, actually, I shouldn't say her name. (laughs) (laughs) Given that as private, it's like, hey, Mike recommended me. He comes here. So I'll keep her. I don't think she's taking new clients anyway. So I'll keep her name to myself. But one thing I liked about her is that she had a military background and she also had therapy dogs on site. And I go, just the fact that she's the kind of lady that has therapy dogs on site, that already made me feel better. I go, I like this lady already. And she's super cool. And I got to tell you, it was nice having those dogs on site. Oh, yeah, man. More relaxed. Just like having my dogs makes me more relaxed. I mean, I, I love the end of the day where I've got my workout in. I've had dinner. I've hung out with Carol. She's going to bed now because she's got an early day tomorrow. So I'm going to stay downstairs and kick back a little bit. Raina jumps up on the couch, sits next to my feet. Grover's sitting to the right of me. I go, man, this is awesome. I can just kick back here and relax for the rest of the evening. They help me relax. You know, they're relaxing. Yeah, man. Relax, and vice Look, versa. Man,
0: I have therapy dogs for a reason. They are therapy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they they are therapy dogs. And
0: at the end of the day, you know, here's the thing about this. I think one of the reasons why we like them so much is because at the end of the day, they don't judge you. They don't give two shits. They're like, look, man, love me and I'm loving you. And even when you act like you don't want to love me, I'm going to fucking love you, dude. I don't care. if you, You can have the shittiest fucking day. I'm here. You know, and that's a lot of times humans are not like that. Humans are like, ooh, you're having a bad day. Let me leave you alone. Your dog doesn't give a shit about that. They're like, nah, nah, fuck that. Whatever you're going through, ain't got shit to do with me. Motherfucker, look at me. I'm cute. Okay. It's like, I'm cute and I'm hungry. So I got bigger problems than you right now. I'm fucking starving. I don't have thumbs. I can't get my own food. Hook a brother up. Okay. So, and then you found something bigger than you. That's another reason why animals are very helpful in these situations. Because again, you found something bigger than yourself, a cause bigger than you. Because at the end of the day, they really need you and you really need them. So I mean, yeah, man. It really comes in handy. So I, I think that's awesome that she actually has, you know, dogs there. Yeah. You know, they, you know, animals to help out because again, there's this level of comfort. Even when you're talking to another adult, it's just something about when that animal's there and you're petting them, you're rubbing them, or whatever else, you're calming down. It's been shown studies have shown that lowers blood pressure. Okay. It and lowers it stress levels. You know, so again, because and it's also there's this kind of symbolism that even while you're talking and you're feeling vulnerable for some reason, that animal being there, you feel like you're being protected. There's this barrier between you and this other person. You know, there's a symbolism like, yeah, I can make this decision. I can say what I need to say or whatever. And I have my friend right here who is the gatekeeper between me and this other person. So, meant, you know, subconsciously thinking, like, even if this person comes at me negatively, I got my friend right here. You might want to calm down. Before you raise your voice to me. Even though it's not gonna happen, most likely. But it's just something like that comfort knowing like I got some security right here. I got an extra level of security by having this animal right there. As long as I'm treating it nice and you know, I'm rubbing it, making it feel good, it's gonna do, it's gonna take care of me. So, and sometimes we don't get that feeling from other human beings. Right. So there's something very pure about that. And that's what's lacking in a lot of situations where we're trying to really deal with stuff, is like we need to be in a pure environment and animals, they really afford us that opportunity. It's like, okay, Hey man, just be you. It's like, I got you. I'm your dog. And that's one thing, one more thing about DMX. That I really like, he was very compassionate about animals, very compassionate. He would actually, when he was homeless, I mean, when he was out in the streets and living, like in sleeping in the Salvation Army bins, you know, one thing he would do is like, look for stray dogs and take care of them. If He finds food. He would feed them first, you know? He really started, you know, there was one where he was taking care of, um, I mean, between taking care of like birds and, you know, dogs, you know, even with plants, you know, he was like really getting into like plants and and like with orchids. And he was thinking like, oh, I thought I had to get this expensive soil and all this other thing. But the, the one thing I realized that to make them live and thrive, all they needed was attention and focus, not all this extra stuff. And there's a lot you can take from that. There's a lot of things that we think like, oh, in order for this thing to to thrive and love us and, and whatever else, we got to give it all these things. Whereas just like you were talking about, like a relationship is just like, nah, just give it the attention and focus. Just be pure, you know, just be straight up, be sincere, be honest, be be forthright, you know, and just be there. And that's how it grows. Buying stuff and getting stuff and doing all these different things. You know, these are just byproducts of just okay yeah it can show that you care but what are really sure that you care is being there and that's what he was learning just from this was another form of therapy for him taking care of orchids i don't think y'all understand if you never had orchids before i don't think you understand how much focus and attention goes into keeping an orchid alive and an orchid is like my wife's favorite plant but she sucks at keeping them alive okay <laughs> because there's so much attention that needs to go into that but i'm the person that's always home or whatever And I, hey, man, I know what it takes to keep an orchid going. And I mean, from just little things, from the way you speak to it, the type of music you have around it, you know, how much, first of all, don't overwater it, you know, where to have it, you know, how much direct sunlight, well, indirect sunlight to have, all these different things. It's very detail oriented, but you know what? It's just something about nurturing a living thing and and helping it thrive. Yeah. It's so rewarding. This is little things like that, man. It's very powerful and it makes you, and it also helps you look at yourself in a different light. Like, man, look at you. You're really like, you're helping this living thing thrive. Like, man, you're that vessel. You're that conduit between life and death for this thing. And that's why I think we should think about ourselves with people around us. You're this conduit between life and death of this other living person, this other living thing. Okay. So you got to ask yourself, are you there to help them thrive and live more? Or are you there to take away from them and push them closer to death? You know, sounds morbid, but it is what it is. So I really be that conduit that really helps this living thing that I care about thrive and live and blossom, you know, and be supportive that way. And not take away from them and take away from all that they can contribute to this world. So, yeah, man, that's just kind of what I got from this. I've been very... This was I've been very just reflective. It's just been, um, like, at the time we are recording this, it's about a, a week now since it's passing. And, you know, I'm, it's still something I'm waking up every day thinking about and going to sleep thinking about, and, you know, waking up with his songs in my head and then just asking myself, like, dude, what are you doing now? So what, what's, what are you doing with your life today? What did you do with your life yesterday that was even better? You know, and honestly, I don't want this feeling to go away. I want to be able to continue to check in on myself and hold myself accountable like that and be very conscious about it to the point, like I said, it's, it's a habit, but I want to be, it's to the point where, okay, I can sit there and take an assessment of things that I do on a daily basis and w- what I've done. And I can see hell just to go back and do an inventory of things. I've done like, Oh damn, I forgot. I did that. and I did this and I did that, but then not to get and rest of my loyal, my laurels, I can be like, you know what? Now that you acknowledge that, what can you do better? What can you do better?
1: Well, I really you, like that clip you put up from Will Smith where he said, hey, yep. really good day today. It's a great day today. Yep. So start having a couple of great days in a row. Let me fuck around and have a great life. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Sometimes sometimes it's that simple. Sometimes yeah, people it is. Really, overly, they really overly complicate enjoying life, right? A lot of people do. Yeah. Where you take that, that great day mentality one day at a time, and a great day doesn't mean, doesn't have to mean that everything went right that day, right? Right. That doesn't. You don't have to have that kind of expectation because a lot of times we think in these these binary modes of good and bad, and right. thinking in that's dualities. So we like to look at experiences as dualities. That was a great experience. That was a terrible experience. <laughs> right. It's it really more shades of great because you don't really know what's good or bad until some time afterwards. You don't know what the positive effects can be of a seemingly negative experience. Right. But you can do every. You can do some things every day that make it a great day. I go just having a good conversation with your significant other or a good friend, that makes it a great day. I go for a nice walk every evening and I watch the sunset. I go, how could you not how could you not say you had a great day when you experience that all the time? Especially
0: when there's so many people who are no longer seeing sunsets, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, look, man, it's like, dude,
0: today you're alive tomorrow. That's a privilege at this point. So I know it's not a given, it's a privilege. That's what, that's what
1: Harley said of, of the Cro-Mags, and he said that he looks at his life as, as long as I have my next breath, I'm good, and I'm just going to keep focusing on my next breath, because he's been through so much traumatic shit. Yeah. You know, that he understands the value of having your next breath. Right. Some of these situations where he could have died or been in prison for the rest of his life or been in some really effed up situation. Yeah. And that, that's a good way to look at it. it. goes, You just take it one breath at a time. You make sure each breath is good. It's, you make sure each day is good. And then all of a sudden, you've had a great week. You've had a great month. You've had a great year.
0: And then you when you lie it. on your deathbed, you're like, you know what the fuck? I had a great life. Yeah. I'm good now.
1: I'm good. That's one of the big regrets in this book is that I didn't allow myself to be happy. And a lot of people fall into that category. Oh, yeah. It, just They just don't have the courage that it takes to be happy. So they accept this life that they don't want, you know, they didn't choose it. It wasn't, it wasn't what they wanted. They didn't dream of, of doing whatever they ended up doing when they were a kid.
0: Yeah. Misery is just this normal to them. It's not even misery. It's just, it's just, Hey, it's just, Hey man, it's just Tuesday, <laughs> you know, like, no, bro, you're miserable. Why? Yeah, I mean, It's always been like, this. I mean, you, you don't understand. Oh, I don't, <laughs> but I like to like, dude, what, what is it? Like, why is it? You're not happy. No, you know the
1: way I look at life is. Remember in the Matrix, the first movie, and everyone in the Matrix doesn't realize they're in the Matrix. (laughs) Right. That's what makes it the Matrix. Right. But once you realize it's the Matrix, you realize okay, all these rules I thought I had to follow, those are those are I I can warp this world and and make it into what I want it to be rather than me being rather than me being a product of my environment. I'm going to make my environment a product of me. Right. That paradigm shift. Now, I'm not saying it's that precise with our existence, but to some extent, you have to realize that it all is an illusion. What we, what we think is an illusion. What you think of yourself is an illusion. What you think of this life is an illusion. What you think of this world is an illusion. Now, sometimes people hear that and it's kind of depressing to them. But to me, it's the exact opposite. I'm like, well, look, if this is all an illusion, then there's no point me wasting time. Right. That means
0: that I can anymore. change it.
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, if this is all an illusion, then I'm going to, I'm going to be a wizard in this shit and manipulate things to my benefit in a positive way. I'm not to say fucking people over. I'm right. going I'm, I'm to manipulate things to my benefit so that I live a really fulfilling life. And it puts me in a position where I can help other people out. Because I think so many live at just the mercy of circumstances. You just accept all this bad advice of you go get a crappy job and work for a lot of years. And then. Just get married to somebody, you know. Whether you have a lot of passion for it. procreate, know. you know, like, you shouldn't be in a relationship unless you're really excited to be in that relationship. Because what's and you the point? And you
0: shouldn't procreate unless you're really excited about that relationship. <laughs> right? Don't have kids with somebody you don't like.
1: <laughs> right? Your kids,
0: those kids, don't deserve that.
1: No, not at all. Not at all. So, so I, I think a lot of people don't give themselves permission to be happy, and part of it is what you brought up. You go, you just, you don't think you deserve it. Right. So yeah, man.
0: <laughs> like, man, boy. that is like one of the first it's one of the first things I told my kids. Look, man, when y'all are adults, do not make children with people you can't stand. Okay. <laughs> Straight up. I said, no child deserves that, man. No. No one. Please don't do that. Straight up.
1: <laughs>
0: I said, at least I like them for at least some period in your life. <laughs> but don't just do it because Oh, you need you're not married yet? Then you get married because you just get tired of hearing the freaking question. And then like, when are y'all gonna have kids? We do have kids? don't get pressured into having kids just because look, here's how you're this is how you reply to that. Oh, when I have them, are you gonna take care of them? Because I'll do my part. If you want me to have kids, I can do that part. That's easy. Cause I actually like that. I actually like that process of making kids, you know, but that whole process of raising them out.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a little sketchy.
0: Okay. May not be for me. So here's the deal. I'll do the thing and you take care of the things. Oh, no. I mean, I'm just, okay, well, shut up. Okay. Don't freaking ask me, you know, when I'm going to have kids. I'm just saying, man, y'all make beautiful babies. Doesn't mean I won't make beautiful
1: monsters. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah. People just have kids because they think that's just the next thing. That's do. it.
0: They feel like that's part of the contract of life. It's like you, you're you born. You grow up, you go to school, you get a degree, you get married, you have kids, you, you go to work, you die. And there it is. And then you just hope the tradition passes on to your children. That's not living. That's how you have, that's how, that's what, that's how you become one of the regrets of the dying. Okay. Yeah. That's how you add to that, to that book, because that's not living at all. In fact, I'd much rather see someone who's single, who's fucking, 40, 50 years old, never been married, never had kids and living their best freaking life. They're out enjoying the world. You know, they're not sitting here working 90, 100 hours a week, trying to make ends meet or whatever else, but they're actually enjoying their life. They're making hell. They're making 30, 40,000 a year. They might work three days a week. They're working part time, but they're enjoying life compared to the overachiever that's making six, seven digits a year and then working a hundred hours a week and they never see their freaking family. Right right it's like who so basically who's really successful when you think about that who's really wealthy think about that nothing is like what's what's good is having all that and making all that money and having all this all those titles and whatever else if you don't get to enjoy them i'm like look man i didn't come from the wealthiest family in fact i didn't even realize that we were poor until i got older (laughs) <laughs> probably probably up until like about maybe five or six years ago. In fact, I didn't realize how fucking small the house was that I grew up in until about six, seven months ago when I happened to look on Zillow and I just typed in the address of one the, the house I grew up most of my life in. Yeah. I didn't realize how small that house was, man. <laughs> I was just like, whoa, wait, wait, what? <laughs> you know, compared to how I live now, I was like, oh my God, it's like, the whole house was the equivalent of like one room in the last house in the first house. I was able to buy as an adult. I was like, dude, but in my mind growing up in there, that house was big, you know? But then as I sit in and i sat there and I visualize going back in my child, in my mind, just really seeing a day of my life in that house, I realized like, Whoa, it was kind of small. It was very small. You know, I'm still like, dang, but you know what? It didn't matter because the biggest thing in there was love. You know, it was my grandparents, and I never, I never felt like I lacked for anything. Yeah, we always were want stuff. Look, man, I was a big Star Wars fan. I wanted every action figure, I wanted every playset, I wanted every ship, everything. I wanted it all. You know, because well, here's the thing about me: when I like something, I obsess over that one thing. I didn't have room to think about other stuff. I wanted the entire Star Wars collection. That was it. You know, I made a proof of purchase seals. I sent it to Kenner. Growing up, just so I can get a free action figure, just so I, my parents didn't have to worry about buying another action figure. you know. So I was a proof of purchase seal collecting kid, man. My friends, they bought one. They didn't know what those things were for. I would end up thinking, like, hey, man, don't throw that away. I just want to keep the picture, because I want to draw that picture of Greedo or whatever. I was taking those proof of purchase seals off. I was hustling for that stuff because they weren't going to do it. So, you know, I was doing it that way, man. But at the end of the day, I was realizing like, okay, I'm really not, I didn't like for anything. I got the things I truly wanted because I didn't want a lot and nothing's changed. I'm still that way. So there's one thing for my childhood today. I brought into my adulthood. I still don't want a lot. And, but the thing is the, the one thing I want, you can't buy, that's freedom. And that's one thing I was afforded as a child, big time. I had this room to think and be creative and was never shot down with any of my thoughts. Even when I would bring up stuff that my grandparents had no idea. I mean, these, these are people that grew up in the 30s and the 40s, okay? <laughs> you know, so there'll be things I would talk about. They would look at me like, okay. Because you know why? They saw my enthusiasm. And that's why they were on board for whatever the hell I was talking about. Even if they didn't get it. be like, well, I don't know what it is, but he's enthusiastic about it. And it doesn't seem like it's going to hurt anybody or hurt himself. You know, and it's is, it is not illegal. So, hey, we're all for it.
1: Whenever I meet young people and they're in their early stages of being an entrepreneur or whatever 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 the venture is, now when they're super passionate about what they're talking about, they're excited about it. They start talking really fast. They start talking loud. I go, those are really powerful indicators that they're well on their way to being successful because you can tell this is what they're into. Then you contrast that with people that are seemingly saying all the right things but there's something missing and it's that genuine enthusiasm yeah he's like you don't you believe it. anything know, you're saying right now do you, yeah, you just know they're not going to get to where they think they're going because they're choosing the wrong path they're, They they want to be successful and they can be successful but it's not going to be through this path because yeah, they they've chosen
0: someone else's path right it's not theirs Know.
1: Like, like, what, like what i make in my fitness business no one would ever pay me that no one would pay if right. i went to a job and said look this is what i'm worth and honestly what i make is exactly what i'm worth financially yep. because every single dollar is accounted for so honestly if i went to some company and said look here's what i generate for myself so if i'm going to come work for you you need to pay me this they would be like no way we're paying you that even though i've proven that right and that's the thing that. yeah yeah <laughs> So a lot can be said about
0: knowing your worth, man. I sit there, I can sit and think about every last certification, every last, you know, continuing education, all the times I watch, you know, more and more videos and, and constantly updating my knowledge base on a constant basis and all the hours I put in. And if we sit there and we sit there and we multiply, you know, how many dollars per hour that is that I put into that, it's like, do you understand? Honestly, I don't care who you are you cannot afford me. Okay. You could not. When you really factor in to all that I put in into the knowledge and skills that I have in whatever I'm doing, you couldn't afford me. And even if you could, you wouldn't want to pay it. You (laughs) wouldn't want to pay it because you are probably trying to figure out how you could justify writing that off, (laughs) you know? So, and guess what? I have no problem with that. I want to be unaffordable. So therefore look, no matter whatever I charge you for what I do, understand that you're getting, you're getting the good end of the deal. You're getting the discount <laughs> big time. You're getting way more than what you're paying. So and if you want to sit there, and kick tires and go like, Oh, so and doing well, go ahead. Good luck. When you go ahead and go to so-and-so and then you <laughs> go to so-and-so and it's a piece of shit. It's not like giving you what you want And none of the things that we talked about, then you come back to me and then the price has changed. Like, wait, but you said
1: it was this last time. Yeah, but you know, inflation and my time because you wasted my time. And in, in Boiler Room where Vin Diesel's talking to that prospective doctor, yep. trying to call him that bullshit stock. Yep. And the, the doctor's like, hey, let me hear more about this. He's like, doc, I just don't even have the time. You know, I got so much demand for this. And you just got to let me know whether you're in or out. Get, now that is a master for salesperson right yep. there. And I use that sometimes. Because you know
0: people. why? FOMO kicks in.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That exactly. fear of
0: missing out. They're like, no, 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 no. Just like that doctor. Did. No, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay. Count me in. He said, doc, I mean, you made the
1: I best decision. I my testosterone booster all the time because a lot of people go, well, why is yours better than the others? I go, look, I don't even have time to get into why it's better. Frankly, my biggest problem is keeping this thing in stock. So if you don't want to buy it, be my guest because I've got so many people buying this. My concern is how do I have enough inventory? Which is actually not untrue. It's I'm going to say, which is the <laughs> truth. It is the truth. <laughs> so. Yeah so, I mean, it's, it, 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 guess what happens 90% of the time? The person buys the product. And, and frankly, everything you need to know about whether you should buy it or not is on the fucking page on my right website. Right there, are the testimonials. My know. attitude is, go there and read everything. Now, if you're not convinced that it's, it's, that it's worth buying, nothing else I'm going to, what am I going to say that's going to convince you're you? right. It's all there. You know, there's
0: some people that want to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. They yeah. actually want to, in fact, some people want to hear your enthusiasm about your product. And that's right. where a lot of people who are entrepreneurs or, you know, or creatives, that's where they fall short and they don't sound like they're excited about it. So how the fuck am I supposed to be excited about your right. purchasing something from you when you don't give a damn? When people call me and like, Hey man, uh, I need to get my concealed carry, blah, blah, blah. Well, what all is it? You know, I need to finish my test. What does it entail? I said, well, when's the last time you shot? Oh, it's been like six months. I'm like, okay. So you got your own firearm? They're like, well, no. I said, well, I said, actually, or to hear someone said like, well, I've never shot before. I said, oh, that's excellent. And they're like, wait, what? I said, because you know why? We're going to have fun. You know why? You don't have any bad habits we have to undo right now. I said, in fact, I know from experience the success rate for someone who has no idea what they're doing is much higher than those who've been shooting all their life. And when someone hears it, they're like, oh, shit, they see hope. They're like, oh, damn. Okay, I didn't expect that. I said I guarantee you, you will be a damn good shooter. You'll be you'll be able to defend yourself and be confident about it before we finish. I said within an hour and a half, an hour and a half. Yes, an hour and a half. I guarantee it. When they hear that, like, okay, motherfucker, that's that's a tall order you're asking right there for someone who's never shot before, and it happens every time. Because one thing about it, just like with training, I understand the basics. I understand the foundation, and that's what I get down to. None of the cute shit. Because all that cute shit and blah 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 and fancy stuff they see on YouTube and on Instagram, I don't care about that stuff. I said because at the end of the day, that stuff will get you killed when you try to defend yourself. All this little cute stuff or whatever, all this John Wick, John Wick bullshit. Look, man, that ain't life. Okay, that's Hollywood. I said even when he trains for those movies, he ain't doing this shit, man. When he's training. I said, those are coordinators for the movie. But when it comes to the shooting part, he's not doing all the shit you see in the movie. I said, he learns the foundation, the basics, okay? And the thing is, when you master the basics, you can add a little cute shit here and there. But if you don't have the basics down, cute shit won't work. <laughs> I don't care who you are. Like I said, I don't care if it's, whether you're lifting, whether you're shooting, whether you're driving, whether you're just starting a business, whatever, all the cute shit. You got to earn the cute shit, man all the fancy marketing, whatever, for your business, you better have a foundation. You better have a system in place first before you start getting all cute. Problem is people want to get cute before they actually have any type of substance. And that's why their businesses fail. So look, man, I can, I can sit there and there, but again, they hear that enthusiasm in my voice because at the end of the day, it's still fun for me because you know why it is fun to see that self discovery. When someone like, Oh my God, I didn't think I could do this, especially someone who may be definitely afraid of having a firearm. And then all of a sudden, you know, 20 shots in, they're like, you see that confidence, just like you see someone in the lifting when you're, when you're a trainer or your strength coach and you see someone. I used to love the fact when I had women coming to my class talk about they could never do a push up. I can't do push ups. Like, Oh, you will do push ups today. I said, not because I'm going to force you to. The fact is, before we're done. You will be able to do one minute of push-ups nonstop with good form, and you're going to be comfortable, and you won't do them on your knees. I guarantee it. I don't care if you're freaking 130 pounds, 230 pounds, 330 pounds. I'm going to show you. I guarantee it. Never had anybody have a problem doing it, and they always had that look like, oh, my God, I just did one minute of push-ups. I didn't say do 20. I didn't say 30. I'm going to get you to do one minute nonstop. Because we're gonna work on the foundation of stuff. I know what I'm capable of. I know how to paint the picture to help someone out. I'm a very visual type person. Okay. So I know what I'm capable of. And they they felt that. And guess what? They're gonna talk to their friends and they're gonna feel it for you. They're gonna share that same enthusiasm no matter what you're doing. So I always love the fact when if I post something, if I ever post like a bottle of your testosterone boost or whatever, I always get DM like, hey man, so does it work? I was like, I said, first of all, pardon my French, I said, first of all, motherfucker, this is me. How many times you see me posting anything of anybody's stuff that I don't use that doesn't work? I know, that's why I'm asking because you don't, you don't do that. Okay, you just answered your own question then. Hey,
1: that's why I'm asking.
0: <laughs> I'm like, look, man, here are my numbers, bro. I said, anytime my numbers are going down, I get back on this product because I know, I know now. I said, I've done this long enough now to I know when My numbers are starting to go down. and I know why they're happening, why it's happening. I know what adjustments I need to make in my lifestyle, but at the same time, this right here, that's why it's called a testosterone booster. It just gets me to the promised land a lot faster. I said, so look, man, I said, look, honestly, it's been probably damn near, what, 10 years now since the product's been out. I said yeah, it's I don't, been out since I,
1: 2013. So we're coming out yeah, eight, almost
0: ten years. years.
1: Yeah, oh, it's actually eight years now because it came out. Because I
0: remember when you first started talking about it. But you were waiting on the, the oh, yeah,
1: forever. Well, you know yeah. what um, the problem I had when I first started talking about it is I had no clue how the supplement manufacturing process worked. Yeah, so I, I delegated that out to someone else who just wasn't on top of it, and I, yep. well, I had to pull in the reins. Otherwise, this product never would have come out. Yep. And then it, you go through a growing curve. Yeah. So, but you know what, it actually ended up being good that I talked about it for. It was well over a year. It might have been two yeah. years. It was about two was years, about. man. And, and right. so much interest just kept building. It was like a snowball. Every course I would go to, I would talk about it, and people would ask me afterwards, oh, let me know when that's out." I would get people emailing me daily, "When's it coming out?" So when it finally came out, it was like a huge. Yeah, the reality. man was there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was like because I remember you like after
0: our first workshop we did together was when you first started talking about it.
1: right and you you like you, it was like
0: two two, two yeah two thousand ten and you were like yeah I'm just waiting on you know the, the bobine, you know that was that was the big hang up right there. He said, yeah. and so I was like, man, what the fuck is this bullbine shit he keeps talking about? This just <laughs> sounds like the fucking this sounds like the fucking little plant that you saw in Black Panther the little purple plant that they took. I'm like, man, what is this bullbine shit he's talking about, and it's only in South Africa, like okay. So
1: year, you only you got South African only grown during a part certain part of the year. A year exactly. I was like, I was like oh, that's, this that's why nice. all the big companies don't use it because it's people are always like, oh, if it's so effective. How come all the big companies don't use it? I was like, well, they don't use it for a variety of reasons. One is <laughs> they're not they're, their distribution is way too big. So they're not going to be able to keep up with demand given that it's grown so infrequently and in, in, in small quantities for them. Right. And then number two, they don't care if a product works or not. They want, the, right. they want okay. the ingredients in the highest cost to profit ratio. Yep. Favorable. That's what they care about. The, 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 people often assume yeah. that, that, that most supplement companies are actually designing products that are effective. No, they don't. That That's not even in the top three things they're looking at, whether the product is effective right. or not.
0: They're trying to get so a quick lick doing. and be yes. out and move to the next thing, you yeah. know.
1: Now, a long play is you make a really good product and you're in it for the long run so that you last long enough to benefit from all the repeat business and word of mouth. Now, that's a long play. That's the way I play. That's the way I play my business. It's, It's always, I'm always playing the long game, which is why I don't fuck people over ever. If you're fucking people over, you're not playing the long game. You're playing a very short game. Right. Now, once you, once you, once you look at it from the point of view of how do I make as much as possible in a minimum amount of time, now you're going to look at 90% of your efforts going into marketing and promotion and just right. pushing this thing out there as hard as you can. And then you get enough first time buyers that are never going to buy it again. And they're never going to tell anyone to buy it, right. but you don't care because you got a million people to buy it one time. And that's enough for you to just write off into the sunset. You know, <laughs> you <know. laughs> or
0: you come up with this whole new, this whole new product
1: now. You know, so well once you have once you have a history of burning people, you can't come back. You can't. You can't. I've seen ha I've seen it happen. I've seen people well, certain it. companies
0: are no longer around. We don't see their t shirts during MMA events anymore or any yeah. of that stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, I know I wasn't legit before, but I'm legit now. It's like, yeah, sure. We're not gonna who wants to take a chance on that?
0: Exactly. So yeah, man. But yeah, man. So the moral of the story is, look, folks, <laughs> sort of wrapped all this up. Take a look at yourself, man, and ask yourself, what the fuck am I doing? What the fuck am I doing with my life? And who the fuck is benefiting from this other than myself? And Am I really benefiting from this? And if you can't honestly answer that, you need to make some pivots, make some changes. In fact, the biggest change you can make is make your life, make everything outside your life bigger than yourself not make it all about you and but be very you know be very particular when you're doing that don't just do it for anyone but do it for those who truly can it'll really help them out and it really they really will benefit from that they'll truly appreciate what you're doing for them even if all you're doing is just sitting there while they're going through this shit and they know that hey this motherfucker actually gives a fuck okay that because at the end of the day that's all we want we just want to be acknowledged. And we just want motherfuckers to give a fuck about us. Right. Okay. And so the first thing you gotta do, give a fuck about yourself, <laughs> take care of yourself first, and then you're able to give to others and then you can give a fuck about them. So I'm just being real with you. That's why I'm speaking like I am. Cause this is who I am. And you know, if it offends you or oh well, you know, by the language, because it's not about the language, it's about the substance of what I'm talking about that matters. You know, if you're going to focus on what I'm saying as far as the words, then I can't help you. You're already a lost cause. You know, but my thing is, this is the message. So my thing is, I spend this day thinking each and every day, how can I enhance this world by my existence? Not take away from it, but enhance it. What the fuck are you doing, sincere? That's all I ask myself. What the fuck are you doing today? Who did you help today? Even if I help myself, then I know I'm helping others because those that love me, they need me to be at the top of my game and my best self. So therefore, they don't have to fucking worry about me. Okay? So there. So if you're going to be selfish, that's what the, that's what I'm talking about right there. Be selfish enough to take care of yourself so people don't have to fucking worry about you, man, because they got enough stuff to worry about. That's it. So just like I said, reflect on that. Think about that every day. Think about it every day. When you open your eyes, like, well, fuck. First of all, that just happened. I opened my eyes. <laughs> I, I know that there's a lot of folks that didn't get that opportunity. So now that I've been afforded that opportunity, what am I going to do with it? You're going to fuck it off or you're going to make some, you're going to make some stuff happen for the best and for other people as well. That's all I'm asking, man. Ask yourself, okay, now my eyes are open. What am I going to do with this? Just sit around looking at nothing, <laughs> looking at OnlyFans websites, I mean, yeah, you're helping some people out by subscribing. At least you're helping
1: somebody's income. But are you really helping anybody? <laughs> so now, I mean, when you when you have the courage to overhaul your life and you reap the rewards of it, I mean, I I never expected my life to turn out as well as it has. Honestly, not that I didn't think that it would turn out well, but it, it just exceeded my expectations. Right. Just getting into the fitness industry, I didn't expect to achieve all the success I did. I just wanted to have. I just wanted to do something I enjoyed doing for once. And if I made a modest income doing it, I would have been okay with that. And I was more ambitious than that. I didn't want to settle for a modest income, but I would have been okay with that. And for it to for to still be in this industry after all these years, I mean, 2002, and I'm not on the training side of things, but I'm on, I'm still in the fitness industry and still doing really well and have this great lifestyle as a result. It's just win-win on all fronts is that you love what you do for a living. Your personal life's great. Your health is good you're compassionate, generous to other people. I mean, that's, that's just, well, what else do you need? That's right. just winning on all fronts. Exactly. So
0: that's what we want to leave with you, you know, leave with everyone, man, on this episode. So think about that. Ask yourself those, those important questions and then take action. Don't just ask the question and be like, give the answer and then do nothing. Okay? <laughs> Cause that's not the answer. Okay? So no, once you figure it out, do something. Make it happen. Take action and make the shit better than the way you live. You know, better than the way you found it. It's really that simple. So on that note, I'm done.
1: Yeah, I'm done too, man. We've been talking. We've been talking for a while because we, t- we talked for a while before we started.
0: <laughs> and that's what we do.
1: We're all talking I'm a- I actually I'm, a- I'm actually all amped up after this episode. I'm going to go get a good workout in now. Go enjoy some sunshine, get some fresh air. But yeah, man, this this was fun. This was a good episode. Awesome. I feel you, man. I'm
0: right there with you. So, all right, folks. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. So, take care, everybody. Take care, everyone. That wraps up this week's Live Life Progressively Show. Be sure to head over to MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Use the coupon code LLA12 and receive 12% off of your total purchase at either of those websites. Also, for more personal protection tips, make sure you head over to newwarriordefense.com. Support the production of the Live Life Progressive Show by heading over to patreon.com and becoming a patron. Simply go to patreon.com slash LLA podcast. All Patreon subscribers receive Patreon only access to our brand new show Afterlife, which is a brand new behind the scenes episode that is not available to the public. Our Patreon subscribers also get to enjoy bigger discounts on all of our products by receiving Patreon only discount codes beginning at 15% off on all products on MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts Spotify and Stitcher Lastly, be sure to share the episode by following us on social media on Facebook as well as our new account on Instagram. Until the next episode take care everybody